Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve in Magic the Gathering at every level. From popper leagues to top 1000 mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at puremtgo.com where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MDGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. How's it going, everybody? It is 11.40, Thursday morning, February the 20th, 2020. We're all twos today. We got twos on the brain as we settle in for this week's trip down the homeward path. This is my show. My name is Adam. I'm a husband, a father of three, work a full-time job. Somehow, someway, we still try to find a way to make at least semi-competitive magic viable for those of you who were kind of toiling away at the, the lower rungs of the competitive ladder, this is your voice. This is kind of my commiseration with you, if you will. I'm not even sure if that's a real word. So I had many, many more grandiose plans again this week. But we ran into some some family emergencies. Uh, Abel had, uh, tonsil, had his tonsils and adenoids taken out yesterday. I ended up having to get off work for that. I'm currently on my on my way to go pick him up. <clears throat> but you know, he's he he ended up having to stay overnight. I had to come home to sit with the other two kids and then turn around and come back today after I sent Esther off to school and uh, my mom took Nolan. Also, my mother lost her brother uh, Tuesday night. So it has just not been a good week for the Spain family, let me tell you. So, With that in mind, my original plans kind of got dashed by the combination of just kind of everything swirling around. So I wanted to take a rare opportunity. I don't do this very often. I normally like to talk about fundamentals. I like to talk about, you know, making wise decisions, in-game stuff, deck building archetypes, you know, the whole nine yards, the kind of stuff that I've been doing this whole time. This week, I want to take a little bit of a step back and focus on what I'm doing because I've spent so long telling all of you what to do. It's only right that I balance the scale a little bit and tell you how much of what I'm telling you to do I'm actually implementing. So, but first we're going to slide over into the fast lane, and quite literally in this case, uh, we're going to slide over in the fast lane and hit on a few bullet points. First of all, World Championships were last weekend, and oh my goodness, it was such an improvement over any event that I had watched coverage for that Wizards of the Coast actually covered in like three years. It was like easily one of the best coverage jobs they've done, especially since the esports rebranding, but even just in general, it was so much fun to watch. I loved that the uh, the top four bracket was best of three matches. So in essence, where there were players, you know, there were plenty of people on Twitter decrying the death of the Pro Tour because, you know, we were not going to be doing best five, uh, three out of five anymore. They just turned around and did best six of nine. 
and we got a heck of a showdown in the final between Paulo Vitor, Dama de Rosa, and Marcio Carvalho. Fantastic matches of magic all the way up and down the day. My champion ended up losing out pretty early. Uh, playing four top eight, he ended up not making it through day two. I was picking the one that was on a hot streak instead of just actually picking one of the best players. My two or my three definitely were Seth and Paulo, but I get what I get because I decided to pick the new hotness over what I knew was good. Seems to be kind of a trend with me. But I digress. Along with that, I wanted to, you know, briefly touch on kind of my 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 content on the channel as something to do while we're in the fast lane this week. My, I had a companion video series for a very long time called Riding in Cars with Cards in which we profiled a deck, either you know a deck, a strategy, a concept, something along those lines every week. During the winter, it is very difficult to make that series because it is dark when I drive to work and it is dark when I come home from work. So... I'm going to see what I can do about doing some sort of a weekly companion series, whether it's in podcast form or even just in text somewhere. But I will be sure to work on getting something out because, you know, it's kind of directly tied to one of the patron rewards for the show. But it's something I'm going to work on. I apologize to those of you who, who have been expecting it. It's been difficult to do, and rather than keep slogging through it and then eventually make horrible stuff and end up hating what I'm doing, I'm just gonna, you know, cut off the cut off the arm with the tumor in it and let's let's move on. Cut off the cut off the source of the infection. At least for the time being. It may end up coming back once uh, Daylight Savings Time does. Because, you know, Tennessee is weird. We're still doing that. But in exchange, I am from this episode, after this episode of Homeward Path, I'm going to start doing a deck spotlight in the fast lane every week. And it is going to be devoted to either something that surprised me for the week, something that lines up with the, the lesson we're trying to teach, whatever. Whatever the case may be, that's what we're going to talk about, right? So, you know what? Let's go ahead and do one for this week because... One of the things I'm going to be working on is playing more Magic Online. It's one of the things I'm actively in the process of like making headway into doing. Playing more Magic Online, or at this point, playing any Magic Online. And the format I want to play is going to be Pioneer. Either Pioneer or Pauper. If I had to play Pioneer today, the deck I've had the most luck with at the local level, and I feel like would be at least interesting enough to play... On, on Magic Online is Gruel Blitz. It's, 
it's a deck that I've loaned out for FNMs twice. Uh, my cousin Cody borrowed it with literal zero experience with the deck, and he hadn't played a match of constructed magic in about three years. And I gave him a brief rundown of how the deck works, and he went 3-1. Losing in the final to Elves. Couple week, you know, a few weeks later, Sarah decided she wanted to go to FNL. She said, build me something really simple, really straightforward. I said, well, I've already got it built. You're going to play Gruel. <laughs> and with you know three or four games for her to get the feel for the mechanics, because the way Sarah learns a deck is by playing it, I can explain it to her. I, I could do a six-hour lecture on how the deck works and all the intricacies of it. And none of it's going to soak in. She learns best by getting her hands on it and working with it. Just playing it until she figures out how it works. So, you know, for all the, uh, for all the potential devastation that can cause at times, it also leads to her having a fairly rapid learning curve once she gets a deck in her hands. And she turned around and had her best FNM finish ever. So I'm, I'm beginning to believe that I may have actually built something that's good, and I want to try it out on Magic Online. I want to see how it plays. And, I mean, it's the most straightforward implementation of a Gruul aggro deck I have ever built. There are no bells and no whistles. We're just turning creatures sideways. Playing 11 one-drops, four pelt collector, four Experiment 1, three Foundry Street Denizen, all of whom are going to grow on the turns that matter. You can make an argument that the, the three extra one-drops should be something like Wildwood Tracker or, you know, some other form of, you know, even like Falconrath Gorger, just a, a two-power one-drop, essentially. And I could definitely get behind that sentiment. I'm not going to dispute that at all. But we're trying the, the denizen leads to more explosive turn threes when the hands are good. And I, I don't have the, the Falcon Wrath Gorgers. It's the other thing. But I digress. You know, 11 one-drops, then we're playing uh, 12 two-drops. Uh, four Earthshaker Kenra, four Zyrtar Goblin, four Reckless Bushwhacker, not Reckless Bushwhacker, Burning Tree Emissary. Reckless Bushwhacker's like. Uh, Zyrtar Goblin and Earthshaker Kenra are two-power haste creatures. Earthshaker Kenra has the distinction of sometimes being just a three-power creature for the purposes of Pelt Collector and Experiment 1. And then we have, at three mana, you know, Burning Tree Emissary is the explosive card in the deck. It's the most powerful, like, it's, it gives the deck its Blitz name. Because you can just often dump your hand on the second turn of the game. You get a hand that is like Pelt Collector into Double Burning Tree. Zyrtar Goblin is a 3-3. Three, three. I've got 10 power on the board. Untap, go 
Foundry Street Denizen Reckless Bushwhacker Swing. That's a ton. That's a lot of damage. It's just like a lot. That's 15 for the math people out there. After having attacked, you know, chipped in for two on turn two. And, you know, shock lands are a consideration for life totals in this format. It is what it is. And then at three mana, we are only playing haste creatures or, you know, bombs. Uh, four copies each of On Crop Crasher, Reckless Bushwhacker, and Gruel Spellbreaker. I like the Gruel Spellbreaker because it's, again, it represents a three-power haste creature, so we can just curve one, two, three. Pelt Collector's a three, three, so we go from, from uh, four damage on turn two, eight damage on turn three, dead on board by the end of, you know, you attack you for ten, uh, attack you for eight, you're at eight if no other damage has been dealt. Lethal is on the table. Like, let's get it. Figure it out. <laughs> and then Reckless Bushwhacker is obviously a fantastic combination with Burning Tree Emissary. Allowing you to chain together multiple Burning Tree Emissaries. And then at the end of it, give everybody plus one plus oh in haste. An attack for approximately lethal. Um, but if you're not doing that, it's also just like, it's a fine value play if you don't have a surge card. It's just an extra two power to chip in with in combat. It's better with Reckless Bushwhacker or with uh, Burning Tree Emissary, but it's also fine with the one and two drops if you end up having to play off curve. You draw it on turn four with a with a Zyrtai Goblin, and you can Zyrtai as a 3-3, then cast the Reckless Bushwhacker with Surge, swing in for, what, four, five, six, just chip in there, get in there. And then the only non-creature spells we're playing are four copies of Atarka's Command. That is it. And then we're playing 21 lands, uh, notably, the biggest issue with this deck is going to be the mana base. Because, frankly, we don't have a good one in Gruul. We have, like, the worst allied color duels. We have, we have Shocklands, and then the quality just falls off a cliff. You have, like, game trails and rootbound crags. But that's the main deck of what we're working with. I very rarely ever share a sideboard in a context like this. Usually not a great one. I, I, I tend to tailor my sideboard more toward the local metagame because that's where I play the most. That may adjust and adapt the more I play a Magic Online. But that's that's this week's deck spotlight. Gruel Blitz. Fitting to have that going on in the fast lane. And on that subject, let's slide over because this week I want to talk about what I'm doing from the financial side in my magic game right now. Because I don't do that enough. I tell everybody I want to be transparent, I want to be forthcoming with information, and then I don't do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rectify that right now. In my, my paper magic collection, I have 
started a transition. Because locally, we have only been playing Pioneer. Like, we'll play some Commander every now and then. But we haven't fired a standard tournament in months. We haven't really, like, we, we fired the modern tournaments during the summer. During the early fall, we fired a couple of modern tournaments. As soon as they announced Pioneer, my local metagame jumped all over that nonsense. They love them some Pioneer. They like brewing. They like basically playing modern without fetch lands for a lot of them. They like playing modern without the busted hoser cards. You know, you don't you you can play a, a weird, wild, wacky, lots of color deck without having to worry about getting blood mooned into oblivion. And that's really appealing, especially to my local players. So, if all I'm going to be playing is Pioneer, why do I need to uh, maintain five or six different Sander decks? I'm not... A lot of these are not post-rotation friendly. And I'm not planning on playing a major Standard event until after the next rotation, which is going to be Grand Prix Memphis. And I'm only planning on playing that main event if I feel like I've broken it. So, like, I don't have a lot of uh, incentive to maintain a lot of paper standard cards. And, I mean, frankly, paper standard is the worst investment you can make in Magic. Unless you're winning tournaments with it regularly. And even then, you're, like, you win, you know, three or four locals and you maybe are starting to get close to breaking even. So I started transitioning away. There were several decks that I had gotten a bunch of cards for. And I had, I had the, the classic problem that a lot of us budget-minded players do, where we have, like, pieces of, like, 15 different decks. So I consolidated down, I, I condensed everything down, and I pushed everything kind of in the center of the table toward a deck that is good now, that is playable now, that also looks to be in a good position post-rotation. And that deck is Jund Food. And there's a reason I went Jun Food. There's a couple of reasons I went Jun Food. One, it is like your classic 55-45 deck. None of your matchups are just abysmal. None of them are great, but none of them are awful. And that's the kind of deck I need to get myself more reps with. It's the kind of deck I need more practice with. And it's the kind of deck I really just have not ever played enough in my time. I, I've been mostly budget, you know, a budget magic kind of guy. And that has led me toward trying to play a bunch of like 80-20 decks. But frankly, if I can get into something that will let me compete week in and week out for months on end, I can pick it up after a break and it's still probably going to be good. I probably need to do that instead of what I've been doing. So that's where my headspace was on deciding on Jun Fu. The deck seems re uh, sorry, English is broken. Deck seems reasonable now. It doesn't look, at least on the surface, like the way cards are being designed, like the way things are being pushed, 
that it's ever going to become just strictly awful. And it's a deck that's going to uh, to maintain some of its in intrinsic playability, intrinsic value, hopefully at least, in the post-rotation standard. Like, it's built around a mechanic and several cards that are not going anywhere. And then along with it, I also have uh, Jund Clover, which literally the only thing I needed were lands. So... I was very happy to make that decision, make that, you know, pick those up. Uh, the second deck that I got some pieces for was Mono Red, uh, Big Red, rather, for Pioneer. And that's another one of those, like, it's against the field as a whole, it's probably like a, a 40-60. But those numbers change drastically based on whether or not your opponent can kill you without using creatures. And I was shopping for it. I was trying to figure out what I was going to get. I ended up sending in an order, by the way. I, I sent in a trade order to Alpha Beta Unlimited. That's how I financed this entire, like, this entire move. I ended up getting about $270 back in trade credit. And with it, I got the cards I was missing for junk food, which were numerous. I was missing Corvold. Number two and three, I was missing Overgrown Tombs, and I was missing Assassin's Trophies, and I was missing uh, Wicked Wolf and Gilded Goose. I'm missing quite a bit for it. But it's the kind of deck that, like, it feels like a good investment when you get into it. But in so doing, I also uh, started researching builds of the Clover deck, the, the Lucky Clover decks, because I've been playing the Teamer one for a little while on Arena, and I really like the Jund one that I've put together now. Because you just have this like great density of powerful answer cards that turn into threats. You know, you have Murderous Rider linking arms with uh, Bonecrusher Giant. And while Brazen Borrower is a better overall magic card than Murderous Rider... It's not a lot better in. It's it, it's not like miles and waves better in a lot of the matchups we're playing right now, and especially when again when we're playing against creature centric decks, Murderous Rider feels obscene, or if we're playing against Planeswalker centric decks, Murderous Rider feels obscene. You know, you're playing against the Nissa decks, and you're like, they go Nissa make a. Make a land a creature, let's swing, you know, take the three, you untap, and with a lucky clover on the battlefield, you get to snipe the land and the Nyssa. That's so good. And then you turn around and cast the creature half to start gaining the life back. That's absurd. And then a card I've been having pleasant success with is Flaxen Intruder. The, the creature half is much more traditionally used in like the, the Golgari adventure that's way more low to the ground, that's more almost like an aggro deck with some synergy pieces. 
This version, the Jun version, is also still playing Beanstalk Giant to go along with Lucky Clover to just ramp you to ridiculous mana and let you start double spelling with your single cards earlier in the game. But the byproduct of playing Beanstalk Giant and Lucky Clover together in your deck means you're playing a bunch of lands, you're getting a bunch of lands on the battlefield, and that means some amount of the time you're going to do the thing where you play the half of Flaxen Intruder everybody forgets to read. That would be the seven mana sorcery half that makes a bunch of bears. You know, Goldilocks brings along the three bears. Except when you're playing Lucky Clover, it's more like six or nine bears. And then they're killing your opponent. Like, Order of Midnight does a really good job of being kind of the recursive, powerful card draw engine. And not for nothing, but this deck just actively draws more cards than the Teamer one does, thanks to Falmire Knight and, you know, Falmire Knight, Edgewall Innkeeper, and Order of Midnight. We can just keep the, keep the stream of cards rolling. And Narset is traditionally one of the best cards in the format against the Adventure deck because it turns off Innkeeper. But we're playing Murderous Rider. Instead of bouncing the Narset and then trying to wedge a bunch of card draws in the middle of it like we do in, in Teamer, we just kill it. Right? But that's what I'm working on for Standard. I'm trying to play a little bit more on my, on my mid-range game this year. I wanted decks that were going to survive the rotation. I wanted them to not be overly beholden to Ravnica era, you know, Ravnica block and corset cards. So while I love the Fires deck and it was one of my strongest considerations for something I wanted to get into, all the Cavaliers rotate before the Fires does. And while we'll still have Kenrith and Fires and a bunch of, you know, big dumb creatures at some point, I don't love it. I don't love it going forward. I don't know that that deck survives without access to Fairy Time Raveler and like really, really good lands in those colors. Another reason I like the Jun deck, if I'm being honest, is because the Jun deck is only playing red for Bonecrusher Giant. More fun facts for you. It's a lot of Fs. But. In Pioneer, the next one I'm buying into, or the next one I bought into, is Big Red. And it's a deck that I've wanted to play for a long time. It's another, like I said, it's another one of those like 40-60 decks, but it its success is going to correlate to what your opponents are doing. If your opponent is trying to play a fair interactive game of Magic, you've got an edge because your cards are powerful. If they're not trying to play a fun interactive game of Magic, you have to try to get creative and find ways to make them. And therein lies the rub, because we're mono-red. Well, that got me thinking. That and the price tag on Goblin Rabble Master, which I didn't realize it jumped up to like $15 a copy. So for that same $15, I could get a copy each of Matter Reshaper, uh, Thought Not Seer, and Reality Smasher, and have a little bit left over. So I did that. I've wanted the Eldrazi, like the, the mid-range Eldrazi stuff for a while. I wanted to play it in Modern. I wanted to play Eldrazi Tron, or I wanted to play like, you know, green-red Eldrazi with the Bloodbraid Elf package. And 
there were a lot of stuff I wanted to do in modern. And then I ended up like, I just, I had an opportunity to get them. And in the red deck, they are so good. Like matter reshaper provides card advantage and, or uh, mana ramp. Either by placing a threat directly on the table. You know, if it dies, it flips your top card over. If it's a permanent that costs three or less, it goes onto the battlefield. If it's not, it goes to your hand. So it's either a card draw or just plopping something directly onto the table. And more often, more often than not, I hit the land because I'm playing a fairly high land count. But we'll matter reshaper into a land, then untap and reality smasher and just get after. That's really good. That's like really good. The biggest thing I'm working on for that deck is the is just kind of finalizing the curve and finding another two drop, either another piece of interaction at two mana or another threat at two mana that I actually want to play. Not for nothing, if they give us pain lands, that deck is going red black and I'm playing Scrap Heap Scratcher. Might even go as far as to play Heart of Kieran because Matter Reshaper is a three power. Uh, Bone Crusher Giant's a four power. Uh, and then everything at four and above is three power greater for crewing. So, you know, it makes it really easy to turn on Heart of Kieran. But even if we don't go that route, like having access to Scrap Heap Scrounger as another body that can keep coming back from the graveyard, playing Scrounger, Bomat Courier. You know, maybe we can squeeze in a couple a shrapnel blast or two, but even just having access to cut to ribbons and Rakdos return as a late game mana sink also just seems really powerful. So we're gonna look at that. But it's not something I'm on yet. I'm trying to kind of perfect the mana curve in the mono red version first. And then the last little pieces, the little bits and pieces I got, I got some stuff to kind of flesh out some standard concepts. Uh, one of those cards being Phoenix of Ash, which I wanted to snap up before it jumped. Because I have a feeling that card is going to get better and better as the format goes on. Being a recursive beater out of the graveyard is really good. Like, Banishing Light gets it. I know. Allspeth Conquer's Death gets it. I know. But they've got to have it. And if they're banking on those two, it's still chunking in for two or three damage first. Uh, another one that I looked at, but I ended up not picking up yet, was the, uh, I think it's Ox of Agonis. Almost positively butchering that card's name. The, the new Bedlam Reveler Corollary. Seems like a reasonable magic card. Seems good. Like, does a good job of most of what you need that kind of a card to do. You can cast it for full retail on curve when your hand is empty and just refill it. And then later in the game, you've played magic for a few turns and then you just do it again. It's the kind of card I can get by. All you got to do to make it good is play cards. Cast, you know, play lands and cast spells. That's all you got to do to make that card good. I can get behind that. So 
that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, and I finally slapped back together Blue Red Phoenix for Pioneer. Uh, found a found a list. I cannot for the life of me remember who it was that made it. It was one of them off of MTG Goldfish. But I cannot remember for the life of me who it was that actually crafted the list. But it's one I'm going to try out. Uh, notably, notable differences because I still don't have Brazen Borrowers is I ended up subbing in what I think is probably secretly the best card in the, the Phoenix decks that nobody's playing, even though we have Treasure Cruise, and that's Finale of Promise. Because Finale of Promise gets all our birds back for one card. As long as we haven't just delved our graveyard away, it's just great. And that's going to be the tension, right? But we're going to try it out. We're going to see how we like it. Move on from there. So there you have it, folks. I'm, I'm in the process of transitioning into Pioneer as a, as a primary competitive format in paper. Uh, steadily kind of paring down and rotation proofing my standard decks. It's not that I try to do this this early every year, but when I have an opportunity to go up in value and in long-term playability, I'm going to do it. So it's just something I'm really interested in. Something I really, really like to do. Uh, and for Pioneer, I'm looking at just kind of being all over the map, for lack of a better way of putting it. I'm just kind of all over the place. I want to make sure we've got lots and lots of options at our disposal. Uh, I want Pioneer going forward to be what Standard has been for the last few years for me. I want to be able to show up to a local and, you know, if two people come in the door and say, hey, I, need, I don't have a deck, I don't think I can play tonight, and be like, I got you. Here's this sweet one. Play this one. You know. Because for me, the, the local community, building a local community is more important to me than my personal individual success. So that's what I'm that's what I'm about. That's what I'm trying to do. I would I you know, my magic goal, my my primary magic goal for the year is to be a pillar in the community. Whether it be local or the the overall community, I don't know. That's frankly not up to me. The only thing I can control is how good a person I am, how I treat other people, and how helpful I can be to other people. And that's what I'm focused on this year. On the Magic Online front, the sponsorship with Pure MTGO for the for the network has afforded me the opportunity to dive into Magic Online much more, shall we say, aggressively? Uh, shall we say viciously, fervently? So I've got to figure out what I want to do there. Whether that becomes what I do my deck spotlight on every week, like do a uh, a weekly ep you know uh, the fast lane deck spotlight thing with just um, 
oh lord i can't think today do my weekly deck spotlight with just the deck i'm working on that week for magic online or whatever i just i got a lot of decisions to make in that in that arena oh i said arena when i was talking about magic online i'm so bad but that's all i've got for this week everybody thanks again for listening i hope you enjoyed it i hope i've been helpful in by by not browbeating this week by just kind of sharing what we're doing here again the the focus for me in collection building in paper is always smaller and more valuable i want all my mise en place i want everything to have a place without that you are just sitting on value that you will never get back You know, I try to trade locally first, I try to sell locally first, and then if I can't do either of those things in a feasible manner, then we start branching out. Uh, Store-wise, I like to use ABU because they were the first place I ever sold to, and the experience has been mostly, I mean, overwhelmingly positive. And then the other one is uh, Cool Stuff Inc. that I did a lot of business with when I was playing that other game that nobody likes to talk about. So I've built up a solid loyalty discount. Notably, they allow you, like, the your purchases still move toward your loyalty discount, even if you're using store credit to buy cards, which is really cool. And the only reason I have a massive loyalty discount through them. Uh, I think we're at 12.5% off singles for logging in. Like, that's pretty sweet. It's a sweet deal. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Constructive Criticism's sponsor, Oasis Games, who I have discovered just actually has the best prices on the web. And then with the promo codes, you also get a little bit off of that. All the way around, it's just like we've got a lot of options available to us now that I just I never had before and it's it's changing the way I play and collect magic cards. It's so good. I have not however uh jumped off into any of the the third party marketplace kind of sites. I've never ordered anything from TCG player. I think I may have have ordered a couple of cards off of eBay in my entire life. And I've I've not even thought about using Mage Market yet. I will more than likely continue not using Mage Market. That's just not something I want to dive into right this minute. But the gist of my approach and what I'm trying to lay out here is I want decks that are going to be that are going to be viable for a long time, not necessarily really unbelievably good for a short time. I want decks that are going to be viable for a long time. So I will take exactly playable over busted because busted is going to get banned. Exactly playable is going to stay right where it is. It'll still be a choice you can slap together and play, and that's good enough for me. Makes me a better Magic player, right? The harder you got to work, the better you got to be. And that's all I've got for this week, everybody. So you can find me you can reach out on twitter i'm at homeward path mtg on facebook i'm adam spain uh, on the facebook group we're the homeward pathfinders that's the facebook group for the show 
Um, oh, lost my train of thought. If you're a patron of the show, $1 or more, you gain access to the Patron Pathfinders Discord. If you like what we're doing enough that you want to become a patron of the show, don't be shy. Patreon.com slash HomewardPathMTG. Don't forget to visit our sponsor, PureMTGO.com. And, I mean, obviously go check out the content on the network, ConstructedCriticism.com. And while we're stuck at this red light, I'm going to go ahead and pull them up. It's time for my favorite segment every week. Hashtag MTG Dad Jokes. Let's see what we got here. Uh, six days. Ha! Forgot about that one. We got two. One is from Charlotte. Arbitrix of the CAG. Says 100% certified scrub and it's a scrub land. And Brian Canada says, saw one of these hanging out the passenger side of my best friend's ride. That is a music reference that is probably older than most of my listeners. I'm just, you know, wild shot in the dark. Pretty sure that joke is older than, uh, I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent sure that joke is older than at least s- some percentage of my listeners. Just look up TLC, no scrubs, and you'll understand. Uh, okay, come on, go back. And then the other. Oh, come on. The other is from Gavin Varhe. Says, hey, all, we'll be talking more about Mystery Booster Foil soon. Just to set expectations. Uh, give me a minute. Anyway, sorry about that. I had uh, the light turn green. I had to pull forward. Um, Gavin says, hey, all, we'll be talking more about Mystery Booster Foil soon. Just to set expectations, as I've said before, this set adds no never-before-done foils into the world. There's still tons of sweet and quirky stuff in there. And uh, Brian David Marshall says, I think it'd be amazing to create a set of cards that have never been whiteboarded before. Tolarian Community College, uh, Tolarian Community College says, White Border is totally in right now. Gavin says, just wait until we do our Border Matters ancillary set. To which Card Kingdom says, that's just bordering on cruel. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Thanks again for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. That's all we got. So, we're going to put her in park. We're going to turn her off. We'll catch you next week. Take care.